And then also to remember that you've never been here before. This is brand new territory. You do not have to have it all figured out right now. And feel free to experiment and to fuck it up and to get things wrong and to do things really well and celebrate it. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Hi, this is Misha and Fen. Welcome to Ask Us Anything, where we answer questions from the community and spend some time together mulling over the light and not so light things about E&M. Yeah, welcome. Hi, Misha. It's good to see Hi. you. Hi. Thank you. It's happy, good to be here. Yeah, happy day after American Thanksgiving. That means maybe we're in people's ears as they stand in line at Best Buy at two in the morning waiting to get the the hot new whatever it is. What, what Nintendo, Oh my gosh, Xbox. all the great deals i don't know i purposely put all of the commercial ads on mute just so my kids don't ask me for anything that's that's my plan a bonus parenting tip from, from <laughs> <laughs> this morning mute all the commercials <laughs> i love it i love it well yeah as as you said we're here to answer questions from you know some of them are from our actual community but really the community as a whole and so that means anybody listening any listeners out there feel free to send us a question. You can do that on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You click on the podcast tab and then it says, ask us anything. You can send us a voicemail. We'll play your voicemail like you're about to hear in a minute. And then Miche and I will talk about them for a little while. And yeah. uh, just a reminder, anybody who's like, hey, where the hell's Emma? Emma is in grad school. So uh, once a month, Miche and I are doing these. And every once in a while, Emma will pop in and make a cameo, but not today. She's learning amazing things, and every now and then she'll pop into a Marco with me and be like, look at this amazing book I'm reading, and I'll just salivate because I like don't have the time anymore or brain matter, and she will share, hopefully, with us all the yummy takes she's learning. I'm excited about it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the good news is you've already absorbed all that knowledge, and we're about to dump it out here on, mm-hmm. on the questions, yeah? Yeah. Or, or something like that? Maybe. <laughs> go back in the archives. We'll see. There we go. So the first question is a great question about metamor relationships and interacting with your metamor or how your metamor interacts with your partner. But before we do, we thought maybe not everybody knows what a metamor is. So Miche, mm-hmm. what is a metamor? A metamor is your person's partner. Yeah. So maybe... You're in a polycule, you have a partner, and your partner has mm-hmm. three partners. All yeah. three of those people would be your metamors. Now you're metamor. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So that is a metamor. Have you ever done one of those like things where you sit down? I don't know if you've done it personally or you know people that have where you've like, let's do a big metamor grouping and you go and you meet all of them. Today. We, I have not done we that. Have, well, our, our polycule that. is quite small. And so there was okay. only one, one metamor for me, but yeah, <laughs> we, we know there are people who do like whole metamor holidays and, and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. 
Okay. Okay. First question. Hello. I have a question. How do I manage myself a little more maturely when a metamore or potential metamore is not treating my partner the way I think my partner deserves to be treated by that metamore. So how do I let that be their journeys together (laughs) while still managing feelings that are coming up for me that are related to some anger, maybe some frustration, some jealousy, some uh, disappointment, all centered around watching someone you love being treated in a way that is less than how I would be treating them. And the time that my partner is putting towards this person who's not treating them as well as I would is becoming more of a stumbling block in my own brain. Yeah, I'll just leave that there. Thank you. That's a good question. It is a good question. And it's a hard one. Like, this is a hard situation to be in. And yeah, what are your thoughts, Misha? I know that like a while ago, um, I had actually kind of had a conversation very similar to this question with somebody I, I had been dating at the time. And I remember her talking about her partner, who was then my metamor, and her partner's relationship with her metamor. Hopefully you're following all this. And she was saying she didn't like the way that they treated their spouse. And she said to me after like, like venting for a quick second, she was like, but I don't get to choose what someone else can take or how much they can't take or what is correct or right for them. I can only show up in my, in my energy, in my space, in my relationship and love them the way that I feel like they deserve to be treated, which is way better than the other person, but they're like, I can't do anything about that. Um, and so I just think it's kind of also kind of goes back to like what's in my control and what's outside of my control or what's in my sphere of influence and what's not to help like alleviate some of the angstier feelings around that. Also kind of like that toggle between like, should I say something? Should I not say something? I feel like I'm over here doing the best and the other person (laughs) isn't and are they kind of vicariously like gleaning all of my good stuff that I'm giving my partner um in a way that then I'm also not receiving does that make sense like they're just kind of like uh you're refilling their cup so they can empty it on, on their other partner that doesn't feel good so I get I can see where there'd be like some angstiness and some some anger Maybe even a little bit of jealousy in there. That makes sense to me. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think one of the things I wanted to point out that I thought was amazing about the the framing of this question wasn't like, how do I get this other person to see that their partner's treating them like shit? Or how do I get this other person to treat them? It was really, it was about how do, what do I do in this? And I think Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm, a really great mm -hmm. just place to start. And it's really the only, like you said, it's really the only thing you can do is control that. And a few of the thoughts I had, I mean, I think, first of all, is just to really to validate that, yeah, nobody wants to see somebody that they care about or possibly even mm-hmm. love get get treated like shit. And yep. whether you're hearing about it or watching it, like, that's, that's a really hard thing to go through, especially, mm-hmm. you know, 
repeatedly, and it sounds like this has been building. Um, so my my first thing I would do would be probably to have a conversation with my partner and say, hey, right, you you obviously get to choose whatever you want to do, but I'm going to have to start managing what I can be exposed to. And so maybe that's, I can't go to events where the two of you are because it's hard to watch you get treated in this way. And I want you to have your own journey, but I maybe can't witness it or uh, limiting what they can talk to you about. And I know, or, or requesting, right? Setting agreements about, Hey, we can talk about your partner. I want to hear about them, but you know, I need to hear more than just the negative stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, or mm-hmm. I can't hear any of the negative stuff right now because my cup is full of that. And mm-hmm. we actually, we had a conversation, a really good conversation about this in, in one of the men's group calls a couple of weeks ago where somebody was having a similar situation. And they said, like, yeah, my, my partner comes to me and I'm sort of their sounding board for all of the, the hard stuff or they're venting and offloading. And I have a really negative view of my metamor now. And so it's hard for me to go to events because even though I maybe haven't seen this behavior, mm-hmm. that's my new image of them. And and I don't hear like, oh, well, they also treat me amazing. And we also did this wonderful thing. And so you have this very skewed view of, of how your partner is being treated and, and who their other partners are. And I, so I think it, to me, it's setting some agreements and boundaries about what you can what you can take in from your partner and what spaces you can be in with them and their other partner, because yeah, you you don't have to be subjected to any of that and it is going to impact your partnership. Yeah. So I think sometimes I just kind of like to like cut to the chase. And so I'll be like, what do you actually like about this person? Like, why are they with you? Because I need to start telling myself a different story because now I'm kind of, I kind of don't like them. And then I probably would also need to be able to say, okay, well, these are all the things that you like about that person. When you come to me with some of the things that they haven't done that are nice, how would you like for me to support you Mm. to turn you back around and point you back to that person? Because obviously you still really want to be attached to them and I want to support you so that even if I don't like them, the goal is for you to be happy. So how do I support you and your happiness? Because this person also makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to figure out how of their requests of how that you can support them, which of those can you actually do? Right. Can yeah, I, can I yeah. even step into that role or not? But yeah, so you're not just kind of guessing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think there was an, another part about this to me, this, this conversation around communicating to them that it, that this is hard. I think there's a timing element to that. And that is having that conversation uh, as its own entity rather than in response, right? So if they come to you like, oh, my partner just did this and they treated me like shit and I feel horrible and they're offloading to you, that's a really probably not a great time to be like, hey, this is the thing. Don't do this shit anymore, right? It's like come back later when you're calm, you're not flipped and triggered, when they're in a better yeah. headspace, when you're both calm, right? Say, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about that's been going on. So I think timing of this conversation mm-hmm. is also really important. Oh, that's so true. It's kind of like um, sometimes when people are like, I want to tell my partner in bed that like I don't like this thing that they do or I wish that they would do more of that. And I always tell them the best time to do that is not right after sex or before sex or even in the bed. Like do that outside mm-hmm. of the bedroom. Like when you guys are doing something like washing dishes or walking the dog, yep. um, a new one's flipped, there's nothing triggering, nothing even correlated to it because what you really want are positive um, reinforcement strategies yeah. and that is exactly what you just mentioned. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that tip. And 
there was a couple other pieces that stuck out to me in this, and and there was the the part two about it. It's starting to be hard that they're spending more and more time with this person, and and they also mentioned they like snuck in there the word jealousy, and I I think those were two important parts that I I just wanted to touch on and, and again validate that mm-hmm. that that is hard when when you're like, hey, I treat you amazing. And then you want to keep spending more and more time with somebody who I feel doesn't treat you very amazing. That can like that can really mess with your head. And yeah. and I'm going to do a lot of projecting right now around like potential things that could that can happen and that I've seen happen. And I think one of those is if there's like insecurity or something going on in a partnership, if there's conflict, right? Conflict is a way to connect. And so if there's maybe something else going on there's a potential that somebody's causing conflict or causing drama not necessarily with you but with with your partner to get more time right if it's always a state of repair it's easy to go well i'm having a hard time with my partner so i can't come out tonight or i can't see you this weekend because we're we're repairing we're repairing we're repairing and then your your basically role becomes to support their repair with their partner yeah and and then you do get less and less time and and that to me would be a yeah a, a ripe place for jealousy to come in and and I think on top of that just being mindful and again not saying this is happening but sometimes our support allows people to stay in situations that maybe are less than ideal because they've got the extra support they know well, I can go and do this really hard stuff and even if it's never really like moving in a positive direction because I can always come back and get my support from you partner and now you're you've turned into a support system rather than a, a partner who's actually getting like the, the the quality time that you were hoping for. And so, I think that was just a couple of thoughts. Again, not a, not saying these are exactly what's happening, but just some patterns to maybe be aware of. So you're saying like that the other person might feel taken um, for granted. Yeah, totally. I think it was similar to what you had shared earlier, where you're mm-hmm. they're emptying their cup. Mm-hmm, to help mm-hmm. to help you know manage their partnership mm-hmm. with somebody mm-hmm. else and you're filling that cup and eventually like you're just dumping it in and they're dumping it right back out into somebody else like that is exhausting that's you know, exhausting the, the, yeah so then it, it, i think it also kind of like if we take it to a little bit of a, of a darker level i guess you know if we go there because we're human sometimes that it could also make you pause and go like, well, what is, what are you getting over there that you're not getting over here? That's making you go back. And so it makes you begin to Mm. think about yourself a little bit. Like, what am I not doing? What am I doing too much of? Like, um, I should be more, uh, huh. To bring up some more insecurities or like, is this whatever it is that they're doing over there where it's a little more intense? Like maybe I'm not intense enough for you. So there's just like a lot of other insecurities that might bring up as well. And so maybe talking through maybe whatever those insecurities are, even if they don't fit the facts, even if you feel like this isn't actually what's cognitively happening, but internally, those are the emotions that are getting stirred up. Hopefully your person is a safe space for you to say, Hey, this dynamic you have with my metamor is bringing this up for me. Yeah, that's a great point, and and I'm I'm so glad you said that. the The idea that you're want right, you feel like you're doing everything right. I'm I'm like perfect over here, and they keep <laughs> wanting more time somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to be more perfect. I have to be more perfect because yeah, if I just yeah. do a little more, I'll get some of that time back. I, that is such mm-hmm. a great point in a in a super slippery slope. 
Yeah. Oh, that time little booger and EM is the green eyed monster. I know that we mm-hmm. all think that sometimes it's because we like jealousy is like wanting like someone else getting or feeling like you, someone else is getting what you already have or kind of like what you own a little bit. And you know, the only thing anybody really has, the only real currency anyone has is time. And so that's like, that's the real jealousy at the end of the day. So I love the fact that she said both jealousy and time together. Yeah. I love it. Well, again, I just wanted to just throw this back out to anybody in this situation, you know, whether it's super mild or it's, you know, escalated and it's been going on a long time. It's hard. It is hard. And it's one of those things where you want to be a support system for your partners. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think it's when the scale tips and that's all you're doing and it's Mm -hmm. clearly causing some angst. So I think, yeah, keep listening to yourself and you know, lean into your support, lean into your community. It's, you know, bounce this off of other people, right? Get some validation that like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not the crazy one in this and not that they're crazy or anything, but just, you know, it's, it's easy to get into sort of an echo chamber around these and you get caught in a system and like, it's okay to poke your head out and do a a check, a vibe check for yourself. So, yeah. And to ask for what you need because your needs Mm -hmm. are important as well. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, next question, if you're feeling good on that one. Yes, let's do it. Let's do the next one. I entered into non-monogamy by transitioning a long-term monogamous marriage. I'm separated now and facing being a solo poly person. The thought of not having a primary partner or an anchor partner feels scary and lonely to me in the context of non-monogamy. Do you have any advice or suggestions on how to make this transition? It just feels so different to me. Yeah. yeah, that's a bigger, that's a big question. <laughs> that's got to feel really weird to have gone through monogamy with your anchor person, then to ethical non-monogamy with your anchor person and to go from a relationship structure that is like more, even though it's not, it's surface level, more secure um, to a relationship structure that is inherently an insecure attachment style to being completely on your own. Those different transitions have, they definitely feel completely different. And there's a deconstruction of how you show up in each relationship dynamic, even if the relationship dynamic is just with yourself. Those transitions take time. Please be kind to yourself. Transition however you want to. It, the the way to being solo poly can look erratic and it should be because this is a completely different space than the two that you've been in before where security might have felt completely different. Yeah. I I love that you said all that. There's, there's really three transitions that happen here relationally for somebody. There's the, I'm a single person. Then I met somebody became partnered and we were in a monogamous partnership. And then that transitioned from monogamy to partnered, you know, anchor mm-hmm. partnered non-monogamy, whether it was a marriage or just a, a partnership. And then from that, we did this together mm-hmm. to I'm now doing this sort of on my own again. And not that you're necessarily alone alone, but you don't have yeah. that that anchor partner to come back to. And so those are each one of those is a huge transition and, and yeah. that take can take years to complete. And so, Absolutely. yeah, like you said, being kind to yourself. I think one of the thoughts I had, I wrote down was like, go slow, 
Uh-huh. I literally wrote, go slow and be kind to yourself because these are big, big transitions. And I think to touch on in there, like the grief around this and, and the fear, right? This, this idea when you open up a long-term or when you open up any monogamous partnership, right? The number one fear everybody has is we're, we're not going to last. They're going to find somebody else and leave me. There's the whole, like, it's, this is going to be the end of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I know we've talked to people where there's a lot of shame in that, where they're like, it wasn't going to happen to me. This wasn't me. And then it happens. And then it's like, they're reinforcing a narrative and they fell into the same trap that everybody said. And then all their friends are going, see, I told you, you shouldn't play with fire. And so like you, you can't even get support from your, your people in this moment because they all told you not to fuck with this and you did it. And here you are stepping in the dog shit that, that everybody told you. And so like, it's not only. It's like double shame almost. It's double shame. Yeah. Double shame. Yeah. 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 Oof. So that sucks. I just wanted to validate this person saying, yeah, that is a, is a tough transition. And then yeah, to sit in it by yourself and maybe even have people like pumping shame into you, Mm -hmm. like, damn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm also kind of curious if you're, um, and I know you probably can't answer this, but I am a little curious if you're solo poly because that is how you want to be, or it's like, now I'm solo poly because this is where I've ended up. Um, and this is like your perspective of, cause I think, I think those energies and the way that you view where you are now and the relationship dynamics you create in the future are really, um, built off of that particular like energetic flow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point, right? It's not necessarily that this person, it was like, they got left It maybe it was their own choice to mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm, I need to move to this dynamic, but that doesn't mean it's not still hard. Yeah, um, absolutely. Right. So, um, I had a few thoughts on maybe just things to keep in mind or look out, not necessarily look out for, but I don't know, maybe ways to help navigate through this. And and I'd love to share them, but I was curious if you had any, you know, sort of tips, tricks, thoughts. I mean, the first things that came up for me was like create safety for yourself because going from having an anchor person, your whole, you know, relationship structure space, um, that whole lifetime that you had with that person to now only being with yourself, there is, there's like a phantom limb that you have to learn isn't there kind of a little Mm -hmm. bit as you stand on your own. And so the way to begin to not mournfully reach for that phantom limb is to create safety within yourself. So what does it look like to be your own anchor person? What do you need to make sure that you feel safe, that you feel supported, that you have ways to emotionally regulate. There are people that you can talk to you about what you love about the people you're meeting and or the things that you don't like about that person, because that might have been your partner. Also defining, I guess, piggybacking off of what I was saying a little earlier about it. What does solo poly mean to you? Like, what is your definition Mm -hmm. so that you have a firm footing of how you want to engage with other people and how you want other people to engage with you? Yeah. And then also to remember that you've never been here before. This is brand new territory. You do not have to have it all figured out right now and feel free to experiment and to fuck it up and to get things wrong and to do things really well and celebrate it. So yeah, those are my first thoughts. Yeah, I love those. And they're, they're, they're super aligned with mine. And I've, you know, a little twist on some of them. I think I had a note here, right? That 
Right, going out on a date now, and and I think this just sort of ties in maybe like, like some more examples of what you're talking about. Like going out on a date now, if the date goes really well, right, you get to go home with that person, you mm-hmm. get to bring them home, whatever. And there's maybe a little more freedom there, but yeah. also there's the if it doesn't go well, I'm going home to a house or a, an apartment or a ho- my home by myself. Whereas I used to come home and be able to talk to my partner and be like, well, the date sucked. The person was there and you laugh about it, have a drink and go have a great night together because you knew you were coming home to that. And yeah. so like, that is a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a thought on this sort of not to fix it, but just to offer, right. Lean into your community, find, build yourself a community of support. And you can even reach out to those people and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going out on a date tonight and this is my first time going out on a date where I'm not going to come home to my partner if it doesn't go well. Can I come back and crash at your house? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's a weird ask perhaps, but if you've built yourself a community of friends, I mean, I would totally do that for somebody if they're like, Hey, this is my first solo date and I'm afraid or I'm a little scared about coming home. I don't know. Maybe I will be okay. But like, if I need to come by and crash on your couch, like, hell yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. That that is a very, in, like I think. I think it's a valid ask, yeah. right? To take care of yourself, mm-hmm. like find ways. Um, I think similar to that with the safety, find people that you can tell. Right? I'm going out on a date. I'm going out with this person. And maybe you got a picture of their ID, or hey, this is where you know these are the important information you know. Sending a picture of their license plate, whatever it is, having those people that you can send that to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we saw this happen in our community actually a couple of months ago. When somebody was like, "Hey, I'm going out on a date. I don't, you know, my person that I normally tell or somebody." There was some conflict, or they didn't have somebody, and they were like, "Is there somebody in here that could be my sort of accountability person? I that I could text, let you know I'm safe, send you some information." And like five people jumped in. They're like, "Me, me, me!" Like everyone's like, "Yes, yeah, send you know, ping me. That's Here's my sweet. number. Just reach out." And so. Like you can, you can ask for a lot of the things that maybe you were getting from an anchor partner, from your friends, from your support system. And so I just, that was a couple of things that, that came up for me in that. Those are such good ideas. I also, when you you were talking about having someone like, Hey, come crash it. Can I come crash at your house? The other thing I was thinking about is like stacking dates as well. Like maybe the date you have with the new person comes first and then you have a friend date afterwards, just like Mm, an extra mm -hmm. cushion before you go home. So you can debrief or even if it went crappy, you go spend time with someone that lifts your spirits or you enjoy being with. So you're not going home feeling like the whole night was like a bus and then you come home to an empty house. Yeah. I love those. But I think just to, to add on to what you just said there, which is the, the idea that there's maybe more riding on each date, right? So if you have mm-hmm. something like a friend date after, or, you know, if this date sucks, I'm just going to go hang out with my friend, crash on their couch, whatever, play video games, mm-hmm. read a book, whatever it is there's less pressure than to maybe get into a situation that wouldn't be ideal for you because there's like, Hey, this date's going shitty, but I got to make it work because I'm lonely. I don't want to go home. So I'd rather go home with somebody terrible than go home by myself. And so Mm -hmm. giving yourself something to look forward to. So you don't feel that pressure to go through and do things, stay on dates, stay in situations that really aren't Mm -hmm. taking Mm -hmm. care of who you are. I Mm -hmm. think, so yeah, having a second friend date tacked on 
you know, maybe do the date in the afternoon for mm-hmm. a little while, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the whole day, you know, you're not going home at night and it's late and you're just tired, exhausted and yeah. lonely. Like, yeah, go for coffee. And then if it sucks, you can do something else the rest of the day and have a good time. So just, just a couple of thoughts on that too. I like those. Yeah. I wish we had more questions from solo poly people. I think those are really good ones to talk about. And I think the experience of not having an anchor person emotionally just sits different than someone who has an anchor person and is dating and creating relationships. And if you're solo poly because of situation versus I'm solo poly because I date myself first and everyone else comes different. Those are different Mm -hmm. spaces. And so I just want to really make sure that you're defining um, what does emotional safety look like and what does relationship safety look like for you when you're going on these dates and when you're searching right because you know if I had a crappy day and I have an anchor person I go home and I tell them but at the end of the day I can see that that person still loves me and enjoys my time and wants to hang out with me and we have things to look forward to in the absence of that how are you doing all of those things with yourself and I think it's so important to have things to look forward to because if not it does feel a little like maybe I'm missing out or something, or there might be a little bit more of like a, not desperation, but a need that has mm-hmm. to be filled that you feel like, cause I mean, there's a reason why we're community people. Like we need each other. Um, and that gets a little louder when you're sitting in the, I'm solo poly because I date myself first versus I'm solo poly because of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think to just, maybe one last final thought on this is, and it's not a new thought. It's just that this is hard and, and you're going to go out on crappy dates. You're going to get into crappy situations. Like you're, we're like you said earlier, like have fun with it, explore with it, give yourself the grace to make mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. but, but if you can, as much as possible, set up a safety system. So at least you're safe I love that. Uh, emotionally and mm-hmm. physically safe. So you can experiment and, and play in this space. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things yeah. to experiment and a lot of things to look forward to with being um, solo poly and the experimentation is a lot freer than when you are attached with someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to make it all sound like doom and gloom and heavy. There's a lot of fun yeah. to that. Um, and so I'm excited for these spaces you now get to explore and experiment in your own unique, less boundaried, less agreemented ways with your anchor person. It's just you. So that's also really cool. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Miche. And thank you to the two listeners out there who sent these in. And I don't know. I always enjoy, I always enjoy talking about these things with you. So thank you for, for being here. Me too. I like it too. It is nice. You make me think of things in a way I hadn't thought of them before. And you always add like things where I'm like, oh yeah, I had I didn't think about it from that angle. That sounds good. Also, send us your questions. We'd love more feedback, any and everything that you're thinking about, even if they're not like super deep or super profound, even if it's like just a sex question or if it's just a quick relationship. I know this sounds dumb, but this is how I'm feeling. Whatever it is, send it to us. You want them Mm -hmm. all. Yeah. I would even offer, if you have questions for us, maybe even about us, we'd be happy to answer some of those. Mm -hmm. So. We can dry, totally. dive deep. We can dive deep. That's right. <laughs> or not. For, for anybody who wants, or not, <laughs> well, maybe not. For, for, for anybody who, who wants to find you, Misha, do you mind, want to just plug a little bit about who you are? And again, for anybody 
listening, mm-hmm. the links will be in the show notes so you don't have to write everything Nisha is about to tell you down. Yeah. So you can find me at expansiveconnection.com underneath the coaches tab. I'm, um, scroll down. I'm down there and you can request to book a coaching session with me or any of the other wonderful coaches at expansive connection. We love our community and we love working with people. I particularly love working with people around trauma, um, sexual problems or roadblocks or hurdles. Um, and I also have a clinical background in therapy. So if there are things like mood disorders or medications that you're on, I kind of can also swim in those waters a little bit as well. And then I'm also really great because, uh, I can look at ENM and be like, that's not actually the problem at all. That's not even, we're not, it's not a factor in this. And so you're not having to sit there with someone else and be like, I know I said I'm poly, but I don't necessarily think this is the problem. They're like, no, 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 get rid of all your people and you will be happier. (laughs) So that's normally the complaint I get from other people that are like, I couldn't wait to find someone who knew what I was talking about. So yeah. Yeah, that, that that help is so helpful. Like, well, yeah, the real reason you're struggling is because you have a boyfriend and a husband. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, there was a fun moment in there where you were talking and you mentioned sexual roadblocks. And mm-hmm. my brain drew a picture of trying to drive down the road. Mm-hmm. And there were people literally, like, doing sexual things blocking the road. And I was like, <laughs> is that what a sexual road, like an actual road sexual roadblock roll your window down just go real slow like i'm just driving just driving (laughs) driving. get out of the road all right well with that we hope you have a wonderful weekend rest of your friday weekend ahead and we'll see everybody december 22nd that is the next one and yeah have a wonderful weekend you too i'll see you later